Hey everyone, John and Andrew here. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, The House on the Hill, Solving a Mystery, and Man's Search for Meaning. This is Obstacle Course. Here we go. So Andrew, two years ago, man, uh, I remember seeing these posters popping up everywhere. Uh, Find Ben Kilmer. And I remember at the time, it was my busy season, I just saw it and I was like, oh, that's horrible. A local guy is, is, is lost. And, and I just kind of expected it to sort of peter out and they'd find them and we'd kind of move on with life. And it just is one of those things that just more posters and more posters. Pretty soon it was everywhere. Anytime you'd log in online and then it became, which, which is quite well known now as, as uh, Ben Kilmer goes missing. And today we had the opportunity to finally sit down and have a conversation with um, his wife, Tanya. And it's been the conversations we, we've been looking forward to for about about a year, actually. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we've had the opportunity to meet with Tanya and get to know one, one another a little bit. And I think it was really important for her to be able to do that, to, to build some trust for going sure. into the conversation. The reality is this was a major news story mm-hmm. and it attracted a lot of attention um, both to help find Ben uh, but also some negative attention with um, conspiracies, uh, skepticism, um, and some some pretty harsh behavior towards a, a family that was grieving. So we cover all of that off. I don't think we need to discuss that a whole lot. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting having both experienced it on the outside, seeing this was a a big deal. Um, we were all had concerns for. For his well-being and um unfortunately I, I mean everyone kind of knows the result but this is this is a great opportunity to kind of lean into the story find out what some more of the truths than than were initially uncovered and and what we can learn from it to maybe uh find some betterment well yeah and i think there's really something here for everybody if you just came just because you want more details on the case you're going to definitely get that here if you came because you're a friend of Tanya and you want to support her story as she boldly tells it, you're going to definitely get that. Yeah. If you came just because you're like, John and Andrew seem like nice guys, you're going to get that as well. <laughs> totally. And- <laughs> yeah. Or if you want to learn about mental health and, and bring some awareness For to sure. uh, to the struggles that, that regular, hardworking, intelligent people can fall into. And, and this, is, um, this is very much a, a reminder of what can go wrong um, if, if people... Uh, get disconnected or just emotion, some, emotionally compromised. Emotion, even. Yeah. Some just ne- negative tendencies that, that can spiral and, and we, we need to be aware of that and, and support one another. And we need to give Tanya some props. I mean, this is a ob- absolutely difficult story to tell. I can't imagine how she endured this. Uh, well, I can now a bit because she's really forthcoming in, in this episode about how she endured it. And I think that's going to provide a lot of people with a bit of a roadmap in their own life for w- when they come across something like this. But she came in this morning <laughs> wearing a wearing a camel onesie, you know, with her with her mug of tea and a smile on her face. And, and the smile was because she's been preparing for this for a long time. And she really, really desperately wants to share this story for one reason, to prevent this from happening to somebody else. And I think that that's really going to come through in our conversation with her. And there, there's, there's some lightness too. It's not just, it's not just a grim tale. Um, and there's some profound lessons that I know I'll take with me and, and, and implement as soon as possible. Yeah. So we thank you for joining us here. This is Obstacle Course, and we hope you learn something from this and, and can use it for the good because we are here to, to shine light on on things that are maybe sometimes in darkness, but um, we're all the better for for having these conversations. Thanks, folks. Enjoy this one. Well, this has uh, been many months in the making. We're we're thrilled for this day to have finally come. Tanya Kilmer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And Tanya, we did ask you to wear a onesie, and you obliged. I think I, so, I, I told you, you I was going to wear a onesie. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't up for discussion, actually. No, we just we do encourage people to be comfortable. <laughs> yeah. And you look comfortable. Yeah. A camel onesie. I'm so comfortable. Oh, my gosh. In fact, I'm, I actually don't know about going back to professional practice because should, I have yeah. to get out of this thing, and no. I just love it. it. Well, yeah, why wouldn't you? It looks super comfortable, yeah. actually. Telehealth works for this. <laughs> that's awesome and you got your tea and we're ready to go yeah, yeah we're rolling um and the place that we were going to start we uh we were thinking that we would offer an opportunity for you 
to tell about um we know that you and your family love the outdoors love being in nature going on adventures and we thought maybe you could start by just telling us a, a memorable adventure that that comes up for you that that you and ben and and maybe your kids or maybe not even your kids uh went on that uh that might be a, a fun place to kind of just get the imagine imagination going and, and mm-hmm. uh, delve back into some of those wonderful memories. That's a great place to start. Thank you. <laughs> now you're speaking my language. Yeah. It was amazing because I was working for WestJet Airlines. So literally there was no place that we couldn't go together. Mm. And we did so many epic adventures. But one in particular was our trip through the United States, through the Western and Central United States. And... I was doing my master's at the time in rehabilitation medicine and I had like a two month break in the summer. Ben had said to me, I want to take you on the trip of a lifetime. Hmm. And I'm a very headstrong, independent woman. And so this, the rational kind of grounded level head headed Tanya, I thought I have two months to work and I've got a $30,000 student loan. I'm not going on a frivolous trip right in between (laughs) semesters here. Like that doesn't make sense to me. And Ben was insistent that we go and insistent that he pay for it. And that was really hard for me to swallow. (laughs) Really hard. Like if you you really know me, like my girlfriends and I fight over who pays the bill Mm. and we might have like a cup of tea. (laughs) (laughs) Christine Ryan and I actually, Ah. she's listening right now. Yeah, she sent me a video about the Irish ladies fighting over who pays the bill and the police have to come. That's kind of us. We we got that spirit when she was was on for her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just love her. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I have my Irish roots, so we get along really well. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we, my mom said to me, and and my mom was part of the reason that I grew up so independent, like you never rely on a guy, just you always make your own way. And then if a guy can come into that with you, great. But you make your own way because you just never know what can happen in life. And so she actually sat me down and she said, a guy that you love and who loves you wants to take you on a trip of a lifetime. You don't say no. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, coming from you? Okay, I guess I have to say yes. So I bought a National Geographic Parks book and that was it. I was fully on board. And I, I kind of compartmentalize things just because I don't want to get too emotionally involved. And as soon as I bought that book, Ben knew I was, I was in. <laughs> I was like full on in. And so we just, we had no real direction. We knew that we wanted to start at Yellowstone National Park. And I was we just going to say, that's a classic e- starting point. Amazing. Yeah. Actually, we started at Dave Matthews at the Gorge oh, in wow. George Washington. Um, we didn't get to see Dave because it wasn't the Labor Day long weekend, but we started mm. there because there's these incredible spires that you can rock climb. Mm. And so we actually started there and then we went and hit Yellowstone. That was oh. our first actual backcountry experience and cool. just what an epic adventure. Have you been to Yellowstone? Yeah. Oh, have you? Have yeah. you? Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. Like the wildlife mm. and just the different terrain as you go through the park and the backcountry there is just epic amazing so anyway we really that trip was two months of the most incredible adventure i've ever had in my life i mean we rock climbed we spelunked we did nine national parks in two months and backpacked every single one of them Hmm. all to get to ben's dream ascent which was to do half dome in yosemite national park which is right across from the epic chief the iconic chief Mm -hmm. and yeah in, in free solo so it was just, yeah, I'll never forget the moment where we finally got there and we were looking and we could see Half Dome in the background and Ben just became mm. alive. Mm. Like with this is my ultimate dream mm. right here. And we we did the opposite route of what people would typically do, which is the waterfall ascent. And most people make it a day hike. And it's insane to me because I don't know if you've seen my pictures online on Facebook or Instagram, but... I mean, it is like a serious ladder. Mm. Like if you fall, you're done. Yeah. Sayonara. There's no coming back from that. Yeah. And they have gloves at the bottom, like gardener gloves, so that you don't, uh, if you slip, you don't get rope burn, but you can still get a grip on the rope to Mm. hopefully save your life. So we actually camped right below Half Dome. And then we were the first ones to ascend that morning. Mm. And there's actually postcards that are just insane where the entire ladder is flooded with people. And I just think... 
how is this possible? Like, how is this not the most insane, dangerous thing that yeah. anyone could ever set Absolutely. up? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And yet there's no restrictions around mm. it. COVID will change all that. Oh, so yeah. That's good. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Before every rung, sanitize, please. Sanitize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, and then to continue on, um, the first part of the trip was so cheap because really, like groceries, gas, backcountry, like park permits. The second part was epic in a different way, and we went skydiving in Las Vegas. Oh, we went nice. to Six Flags. We rode all the roller coasters within. Man, I think because is... we slept in. Truthfully, we were hungover because <laughs> we had a really fun night the night before. Just him uh -huh. and I, like you know, woo! We just went skydiving. And you were in Vegas. We so were in Vegas. It, but this was the after Vegas. Natural. You don't have to explain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we didn't want to be drunk and hangover for the sky. <laughs> so this yeah. is kind of like the after, like, holy crap, we just did that. So, yeah. Anyway, the next morning was hilarious because it was one, I think it was one in the afternoon by the time we finally got there and found out that we literally had until mm, four, maybe six till the park closed. And Ben just didn't want to deal with anybody. So he gives me his credit card. He's like, go listen to the spiel. Get us whatever pass you think <laughs> we can get her done with. And so I went. We got this gold pass. I said, don't ask me any questions. Just trust me. And we skipped every single line. So I don't know if you've ever been to Six Flags. No. With the G-forces on those things. Oh, man. Imagine. Yeah. yeah. No longer than 10-minute wait. Mm -hmm. non-stop all day oh, long man. i felt like a fire pilot it's <laughs> like oh my god this is amazing but then the aftermath of that and it was the wooden roller coaster that did it uh, it tipped yeah. me over the edge gotcha. i had a three-day roller coaster hangover <laughs> it was worse than any drinking hangover i've ever had in my life crazy <laughs> but anyway yeah we went through napa valley and we finished through the oregon coast and it was literally the wow. trip of a lifetime it sounds like it and i was actually just thinking that you you kind of now look like a fighter pilot. You got like <laughs> you got the headphones on. Yeah, you got right. the one the camo. Camo. Yeah. Like, that's like army, my friend. Suit. I am full on army. <laughs> <You are. laughs> Although cool. I would love to go in a fighter jet plane. So if you ever have one of those guys on the podcast, can you introduce us? Yeah. So if you're listening, come on our podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm a, I'm an adrenaline junkie. So. That, oh yeah that does sound amazing all those things that's like a whole bucket list at once in like two months you guys did like yeah. everything yeah it's amazing wow but it's cool because i can honestly say that i could die tomorrow and just feel 100 percent fulfilled right. like i feel like i've really lived life and right. anything that happens from here on in is just a bonus wow that's yeah pr that's pretty amazing. great yeah. pretty great mindset right <laughs> For there sure. yeah that's inspiring um so i know People who are coming to this podcast, um, they, they, most of them probably have a bit of an understanding of, of the news story from two years ago. Um, it was a, especially this part of Canada on the, on Vancouver Island here, it was a pretty significant story for, um, for a lot of people, but, um, it, it was not significant for anyone, uh, as compared to how significant it was for you. And, and I just want to start by, by putting that out there and, and um, expressing our, our sincere gratitude for you coming here to share the story with, because uh, as we know, you haven't really done that much. You, you, you were doing a little bit of media at the time, but you haven't really, uh, you haven't really come forward with your story and your truth. And the fact that you're willing to do that with us is um, is a huge compliment, and, and we really want to express our appreciation for that and, and do justice to to Ben, as well as your family, and as uh, most importantly, do justice to you and, and your truth. So uh, I just wanted to kind of put that out there and say thank you before we even really get going. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. And, and I think if there's like one question that everybody has, including us, and really is can just begin the conversation is just what happened mm. right and so just going back to what happened now obviously that entails so much like mm -hmm. what do you mean mm -hmm. and so perhaps I, I think what we mean when we when we ask what happened is when when did the cracks start to appear that that sort of you know mm -hmm. be, began the story mm -hmm. I just wanted to thank you first for that I almost don't even have words when you were saying that piece on gratitude and thanking me for coming on, mm -hmm. I, I just want to be really 
humble here and and also really acknowledge everything behind the scenes and all the people behind the scenes that are grieving equally alongside of me but that aren't the face today that haven't been the face on the media and really Ben's parents Ben's sister who's like a best friend to him it's very emotional (laughs) they are the most incredible people and they have been standing alongside of me behind me the entire time and we're just we're just different people i'm very outspoken i always have been i'm i guess an activist by nature i you know i work on WestJet. i'm in front of people all the time on the pa system and i presented at many conferences you know when i was tanya corey before even meeting ben and so for me this just comes natural Mm-hmm. But really, I need to acknowledge not my suffering, but really, I just represent the suffering that we all have gone through. And Ben's family is so tight knit. I mean, his extended family is astronomical. They have all been grieving Winnipeg, Edmonton, um, my family too, who really had adopted Ben as a son, my parents, my brother and sister my extended family and really Ben's friends Ben's friends are like family when we first met and he just brought me into a circle like it was nothing like automatically and I remember the first time we were kind of like are we dating are we friends like we don't really know and he just it didn't matter he just brought me to meet all the friends and we just had so much fun camping together and they literally just became my family in that instant and so it was amazing because right in that moment I felt like not only am I dating this incredible man, but I'm in date I'm dating all these wonderful people that come along with him, this whole package. And so we've been trying to keep our head above water together as a whole package. <clears throat> and I wouldn't be on here today if I didn't have their blessing. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I think that's a beautiful point. I think listeners you need to know, like we've we've asked Tanya to come on or we talked about this for a while. And you wouldn't come on until you had the blessing of mm-hmm. everyone involved. And I think that just shows your your heart and your love and your realization that this is a shared story. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that I think that's worth mentioning. And so you're on today, you know, speaking with their blessing. And that's 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 beautiful. And we're all different points in our grief as well. Right. Yeah. Like for me, it was automatic, constant. I mean, there were many barriers to get through. Mm-hmm. with uh, the release of the chief corner report yeah um right. with you know social media search and rescue rcmp i mean there's so many layers to this managing ben's business our, our house which we'll get into but really and truly i felt like i grieved very heavily right away and i like i went dark mm-hmm. i flatlined and i went dark and every single ounce of energy that i had went to my children went to really my children even my family like they barely got any part of me and felt you know i felt like i didn't know if i'd ever get myself back and as did they so let's um sorry to interject but i I, we definitely wanted to get into the grief Mm -hmm. um because it it is such an important part of the the process of loss but let's um let's go back in time a little bit um first Mm -hmm. if we can and um yeah john mentioned kind of the cracks and this is a story of mental health Mm -hmm. and if we can um if we can just start by um yeah if you could tell us some of the signs just so um i I know a big part of this is prevention and we'll probably Mm -hmm. get to that at the end but for for others who have people who are affected by mental health um if you could share the story of, of how ben first shown or first showed some some signs that that things were maybe not um, the same guy who took you on that great adventure, <laughs> um, but that yeah. there were some some issues that were were beginning to pop up. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, Ben took the weight of the world on his shoulders, and he wanted to right pretty much from the time I met him, he wanted to build his family house one day. Not implying that I would be it, but <laughs> really that was his ultimate lifetime goal. One day. I want to build a house for my family and I want it to be a legacy for my children. 
And I want it to be a place where, you know, my parents, if they ever need it, can build a little spot on a, a plot of land. And I want it to be in like the backcountry-ish area because that's really how he lived life. Such a zest for life and adventure. And so not long after I bought or I finished my master's program, in fact, I think it was literally a week after I finished my master's paper, and graduated he brought me up to this incredible piece of land on the Malahat and I'll never forget he brought me to that rock that overlooks the Malahat that overlooks Mount Baker and you can see the skyline of Victoria just to the south and and he said can you see our life here mm. and we've been together for six years at this point but we Funny enough, we never talked about marriage or like what the future would hold. We had everything separate. We didn't live together. We just were both really independent, but just loved dating, really, and being together and just having fun. And we didn't need to quantify it or qualify it. <clears throat> so when he had me up at that rock and he said, can you see our life here? I was like blown away. Like, could this be ours? And by the way, I have a $30,000 loan and I haven't started practicing yet. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it makes me emotional because that is a moment I'll never forget. And also a moment where I thought, yeah, like, I don't know how it could happen, but if you believe it so, then yes, I, I absolutely can. It's amazing up here. And, yeah, just this beautiful little lake nearby that was just untouched by gasoline and motors. It was just amazing and lots of quadding, which we love to do. And you know, a trail that would eventually be linked below the property to the Trans-Canada Trail. So it was literally like everything we could dream of in a spot. And so to make a long story short, there was a lot of red tape. I mean, we bought the place in 2010. When I see we, I actually, it's funny, I told Ben that because we didn't have any joint accounts or like anything together, we didn't even live together. I said, you're going to have to do this on your own. And P.S., again, my, my loan, outstanding loan, no bank's going to approve me for any form of property. So I think I'll actually hinder you in the process. So if you can do this on your own and get approved from the bank, then what I'll do is I'll put mortgage payments in every, or line of credit payments in every month. And then eventually, if we ever get married, then it will be just put towards the property. So you purchased the property in 2010, mm -hmm. but there was no house at that point. No, just it was the property. just under 10 acres, like gotcha. 9.1 or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So, and the price was right. I mean, we got, we got the land for 295, I think. Wow. Yeah. It was amazing. So Ben ended up doing it on his own. He okay. got a line of credit, <clears throat> purchased the land and it was hilarious because he actually proposed three weeks later. Mm. So, <laughs> what, was, what was your answer? Um, I had to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it was just hilarious because I thought, okay, I've now just graduated. I'm a deer in headlights. I'm going to practice. I've got five different jobs. Uh, ben just proposed. I'm going to plan a wedding. And I now have a $295,000 property. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, mm. um, yeah, induction by fire, that's for sure. But, you know, when you know things are right, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. You just figure it out along the way. Yeah, so true. So, you know, fast forward to 2016, we, uh, we had many hiccups, lots of red tape, lots of signs now that I look back with those beautiful 2020 hindsight glasses and mm -hmm. think... I don't think we were ever meant to build there. I don't think that was ever meant to be ours, but we just were such drivers that we kept mm. ignoring the signs. And so literally it got to the point where we were now renting a tiny two-bedroom suite in Seanigan Lake, and we now had both of our children. I was on mat leave with my son. 2016, Ben's ready to go. And he's been at Hull Electric at this point for, I think it was three-odd years and we couldn't get approval from the banks. That was the problem. And I think how it worked was, oh, Ben got laid off, which I felt was a godsend because he'd always wanted to start his own business. And truthfully, he did when we had our daughter. And it just didn't work out because I was running my own business at the time, Impact Occupational Therapy, and I wasn't getting any mat leave <laughs> or EI or anything. 
The problem with that was, of course, the banks wouldn't look at us. We had to get private money. And so my parents are incredible, and they've had amazing investments. They're very, very smart with money, uh, mostly because of my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Yeah. Just kidding, Dad. <laughs> my dad's incredible at investments. Uh, he coaches me so much. But, yeah, my mom definitely squirrels and she just because of her upbringing, and she's really, really smart that way. She's taught me a lot. <laughs> so... They were able to, we actually got a financial advisor who was not connected to any bank, who was just friends with my dad, to review a potential loan from my parents. And because my dad was looking at maybe retiring, there was definitely some factors. Like we definitely needed this signed contract between Ben and my dad and like a man's contract. And then this financial advisor to give us the go ahead. So we had everything in place. Ben had the quote in place. He budgeted 600000 for the build. But we're raising two young children. Yeah. I'm just ready to go back to work almost. And now he's running his own business, starting and running his own business. And Ben was you know, definitely a leader in his field. There was no doubt in my mind that his business would soar very quickly because of all his connections and He's just so meticulous and a perfectionist as an electrician that I thought, okay, well, there's no worries there. But now he's trying to build us a home at the same time. So my parents had a lot of apprehension and my mom said to me, I'll never forget. I just, I, I, nobody does this. Nobody starts a young family, starts a business, runs a business and builds a home all at the same time. And I said to her mom, if anybody can do it, it's Ben. If anybody can do it, it's Ben. And you know what? He's losing sleep because he's not doing it. So we may as well darn well do it because he's literally said to me, I refuse to accept no. Like, I'm going to do this. Well, and, and part of this too is is you purchased the property in 2010. And so six years had passed. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. that, that's not something you, you hear a lot. In those six years, had you talked about starting or it just wasn't the right time? Or like, oh, yeah. Why, like, why 2016? Why was that the right time all of a sudden? Well, to be honest, there, like when I said there was a lot of red tape, there was a lot of stuff that went on. Um, there, there was a trauma in my family. Oh, okay. There was um, a good friend of mine died uh, from bladder cancer. I think I'm getting that right. And... His, his daughter is now my godchild. Hmm. And it, it was just heavy. There was okay. a lot of stuff going on. And then we also had a designer work with us for a year hmm. who literally, when we were ready to dot I's and cross T's, fell off the face of the map. Hmm. And that was heartbreaking in itself. And it took me six months to realize that Ben was right. She's, she's gone. Like, hmm. she's gone. She didn't charge us anything. Hmm. But it was... I th- I. Again, I don't want to speculate as to what happened, but it was yeah. it took us a year to get back on track and then finally we got a designer through word of mouth who was incredible. And she just she sat us down in front of the computer. Every meeting was in person. Every change that we wanted to make, we could see how it was an astronomical change to the entire project. So rather than this whole wasted communication back and forth that really was not working for anybody, it was an astronomical amount of work for the designer. So truthfully, I feel like she got burnt out. But if we had just sat down face to face and looked at the computer and hashed it out together and we could see like, oh, this change isn't going to work because it's going to screw up the roof lines. Mm-hmm. Like we finished with the second designer. I'm not kidding. Within two months, four wow. months, we had the plans and we were ready to go. Okay. Hmm. It was incredible how fast it was. So, so you mentioned um, that Ben was beginning to lose sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know that was um, part of the nucleus of, of what began to go wrong. Um, now, when you say lose sleep, that's something that a lot of people are probably familiar with. Like, I didn't have a great sleep last night. Mm-hmm. Um, it, mm-hmm. it happens. But, um, but the, I think this was a little more extreme than that. Do you want to kind of walk us through what that, what that looked like? And maybe were, were his moods beginning to be affected by, by the lack of sleep and, and how that looked? Mm-hmm. So as soon as we actually moved into my parents' basement suite, they were building a house at the same time as us, actually. And they had taken down the little 1950s home that we used to call our cottage, we being my family and I, that uh, they had bought in 2000 when I first started at UVic. 
And my parents were incredible because anything to buy at that point in time was astronomical. The rent that we were already paying in Shawnigan was so low and we literally couldn't afford it. And then we, yeah, it was just a nightmare. So when we moved into my parents' home, it was like a godsend. So they finished the basement suites that they had intended on renting out as like a vacation suite. And we moved in. And so again, it was like the second we were there, it was like all the stress melted away. It was like gone. But then our construction was delayed, which is very common in construction. In fact, I don't know if I know one construction <laughs> build that's on time, to yeah, be honest. It's kind of thinking the same thing. Yeah. So it was, but it was significantly delayed by four months. And that brought us into the rainy season. And I don't know if anybody remembers, but in 2017, we got hammered. Oh, yeah. Just hammered. And, you know, Ben started to worry. And so you talk about sleeplessness. Well, try and put your mind at ease when you're full of worry, flooded with worry. And perfectionism. Exactly. And the worry about what could happen just ate him alive. Mm -hmm. And I'm a problem solver and I compartmentalize. So I just took his worry and I just said, okay, like write it down. I get out of bed, don't ever worry in bed, like I'm using my occupational therapy, you know, nighttime routine stuff with him. But he literally couldn't shut his mind off. So he'd write it down. I I would research, okay, well what do we what do we do to prevent, you know, anything bad from happening in this pouring rain? And he would lose sleep. Mm-hmm. And so there was there was one man that we could have reached out to for help. In fact, this man is a very good friend of the Kilmers and he's built for, I, I don't even know how many years, 30 some odd years, just a genius and such a kind heart. And he was the one who quoted us at the beginning because Ben actually wanted to bring him in to, to do the whole project rather than do it as a homeowner builder. And I said, why don't you reach out to Paul? Because Paul could tell us, you know, what to do in this circumstance. And... Because Paul quoted us a million dollars to build and Ben said, no, I'm going to do it myself and I'm going to do it for 600000 and that's just how it's going to be. Then Ben was too proud and I think he felt ashamed to reach out to Paul for help, which again is irrational. So when you talk about signs, these are all looking back. Well, and I, I want to go back a little bit. Um, and just re, you know maybe say the obvious, mm-hmm. but this was all based on this beautiful, pure, loving vision mm-hmm. of of a family on a hill with your with your you know your privacy in some ways to be a family, mm-hmm. and and it was it was a great vision. It wasn't a flawed no. you know selfish thing. Like it was a it was a it was a vision we all have as as parents and wanting to provide a life for our, our families and kids. So it was it was based on a good thing, but but it just started to become like the the a nightmare. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I the, the tears are coming because it, it's it it was there, but it, but but the stress of getting there just began to compromise the family, which is ironic, right? Because mm-hmm. it was for the family, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a beautiful dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... I, uh, yeah, I mean, I I literally can't criticize Ben for anything because even as we continue talking, you'll just see this incredible man and how he dealt with mm-hmm. his insomnia. And I've had to just dig for a year I dug for a full year and I just had to try and find out to know for myself how the hell did this happen Mm -hmm. and you go back and you go over every conversation and through Mm -hmm. every text and uh, you know not just mine but that with his family and my family and his friends and you know, I replayed everything. I went through his computers, phone, as did the RCMP, and on multiple levels. And you just think, how how did this happen? It started out as such a beautiful vision mm-hmm. and as such a beautiful dream, and it was so well planned and articulated and meticulously thought out. And Ben always had a backup plan for everything. He 
you know, we always had a slush fund. We had investments, so we wouldn't invest all of our investments in the property. We had a plan with my parents, a payback plan. And again, they sent Ben and my dad signed a contract to that effect. Ben had actually, you know, when I say Paul quoted us a million dollars, Ben looked at our finances, right? Because, I mean, I'm an occupational therapist. He's an electrician. It's not like we're doctors and lawyers. And I just thought, how, how can this place be possible for us? Like, it literally was a dream. And I just never felt like I deserved it, never thought that this would be me because, like, we'd always lived very simply. Like, when Ben and I got together, he was in a basement suite. I had a $30,000 loan. I was, you know, renting from my parents. I was living at the cabin. <laughs> you know, it was like... This is a total dream. I don't even know how this can be ours, but Ben was really smart in terms of investments. And he had a place in Colwood, which is in Victoria, that he had bought when he was 25 and he rented out. And just, yeah, he was just so smart. So that was always our security. The mortgage was paid. And I say our, that was his. That was all him. And I refused to accept any part in that because he managed the whole thing. It was never in my name. That was all his baby. And I just supported him from the background. And he had designed our place so that we would have a carriage house and a suite above the carriage house shop, beautiful shop that could house the quad and the vehicles, and then um, a place down below where he could run his business out of as an electrician. And the basement would be a suite. So although it was a 3,700 square foot build, which to me is like, holy crap, that's huge. (laughs) The the whole basement was designed as a suite for supplemental income. So again, the vision was just awesome. And he crunched all the numbers with what we would get from the supplemental income so that we could make it work based on an OT salary and electrician salary. And then we could run our businesses out of the place, both of us. Um, my, my plan was to restart my business again or awaken it when my son went to kindergarten. So again, really intelligent, right? Mm -hmm. There's tax write-offs there and we can make this work. There was a plan. It was a really good fleshed out plan. But what can happen sometimes when the plan is, is so detailed and specific is Mm -hmm. that when things start Mm -hmm. shifting, Mm -hmm. when there's been so much thought into it, and so much like control and perfectionism and maybe even obsessive thinking, mm-hmm. um, when things start to waver a little bit, it, it can be actually like pretty... A vicious storm. Yeah, pretty traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, if Maybe we could jump forward a bit to um, the days leading up to his disappearance. And you, you speak of the, the stress that he was under bringing this project together and, um, and the sleeplessness, the insomnia... In the in the days leading up to what ended up taking place, had things? Did you notice things um, like coming to a head? Did did it get more extreme, or mm-hmm. was it was it um, not kind of out of the ordinary behavior leading up? Mm-hmm. Now that's a bit of a loaded question because I do have to back us up again a little bit. I won't go too far back, but there were definite transition points so the worry as you mentioned turned into sleeplessness turned into anxiety turned into insomnia and that happened at the end of October beginning of November 2017 but Ben was so functional he was so functional that I think back and I just think Ben how did you survive that long like and how are you so functional throughout that period where literally I'm not kidding you he would he eventually in March took till March for him to try sleep med because we were, you know, him and I just, I don't know, we just never needed medication. So we never used it. And he was really paranoid about paranoid's a, heart, a heavy word, but he was concerned that the Zoplicone would be addictive mm-hmm. and he didn't want to become reliant on it. And he also was worried about losing his functions as an electrician because he was still running his business throughout this whole thing, which is insane to me. So he started to taper off for sure. But he was literally at one point driving the Malahat on maybe half an hour to max two hours of sleep. He never had trouble falling asleep, 
but he would wake up either having to go to the bathroom or even just with the obsessive thinking and the ruminating thoughts would just take Mm -hmm. control and literally be out of control. And so, you know, I was up with him for two months straight all the while trying to work full time myself to to provide income for our family because Ben was doing so much work on the house that he wasn't able to do as much as an electrician. Meanwhile, the market had gone up 40%, so the cost to build, yeah. the cost to build went up 40%. So literally it got to a point where we couldn't even we couldn't afford to build. We would be strapped by the golden handcuffs. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, but Ben and I always refused because we saw friends go into the golden handcuffs where the husband literally has to work away up north to provide Mm. for the life that they're accustomed to. And we refused to do that. We wanted to be together. And so we just saw this financial hardship happening. So fast forward to March was when Ben finally... I, I insisted we go to our doctor, our family doctor. We tell him what's going on. Ben literally would wake up at night, uh, some nights before March, before he tried that medication, and he would say, I feel like I'm dying. Mm. And as a therapist, mm. someone who's done her undergrad in psychology, who studied the brain since 2000, mm-hmm. and you feel helpless, mm-hmm. I mean... There's no feeling like that. There's no way to describe that feeling. And I'm a problem solver. I'm an action-oriented problem solver. And I push the emotion out and I stay focused so that I can solve the problem. And it was just listening at that point and trying all of these means to calm him down. I mean, bath, lavender bath, candles, David Gray music, uh, a funny episode on TV, and Ben got to the point where he couldn't even watch his favorite show, one of his favorite movies, Couples Retreat, because there was a family that came on. And that's when I knew that everything was shifting for him because he started to feel shame and guilt and owning everything that circumstantially was happening to us. Yes, exactly. Um, I wanted to deal with that because I feel like there could be people listening thinking like he was how how does he get to a point where he's going through this much pain feeling like he's dying they're like over a house Mm -hmm. they they might Mm -hmm. say something like that right well i said something like that without without (laughs) all the information it's just like you know Mm-hmm. But but there is so much more going on, and yeah. and you you began to talk about it with the shame and his worth connected to the house and the pride mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So maybe we could spend a bit of time on that because this is so much more than just not getting the house you want. Yeah, right. yeah. I think we need to say that this is so much more. So so what is the more like? Why why why? It seems like he couldn't separate himself from mm-hmm. what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, everybody warned him, the designer, my parents, uh, the builders, you can't get too emotionally attached. Mm -hmm. But it's one thing when your brain is rational and driven forward and it's getting adequate rest to know that and and to truthfully practice that. But the problem is, and I was naive to this even, like I said, even though I, I am who I am and I've researched what I've researched, the power the horrible power that sleeplessness has on our minds. And when we fall into that toilet bowl, that pit of catastrophizing Mm -hmm. where everything is going wrong and I'm owning everything, that's not a rational, normal brain that's getting adequate rest speaking. That's coming from the frontal, the prefrontal cortex that does all the planning, the rationalization, the problem solving, the executive thinking, which is like that higher order thinking, that's on board at that point. It's all like, it's like, we've got this, we're good. We can separate from anything. But Ben was, I mean, this was his life dream, really. Mm-hmm. And so to think that a man like that could separate himself is irrational in itself. And that's what I realized. Mm-hmm. And so I got to a point where Ben would literally go up there to wire the house to get ready for the next phase. And I literally had to say to him, because he would just go up there and he, could, he would piddle, which was not Ben. Like, oh my God, 
you knew the before Ben, so driven, so mm-hmm. meticulous, a perfectionist, could problem solve anything, like adventurer, like leader. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the reasons I was so drawn and attracted to him. He would go up there and he would just sit lost. Like he was Aww. stuck mm. because one part of him, this you know, caveman instinct, is like, you don't give up. You don't give up on your dreams. Like that's, that's horseshit. That's for weaklings. Mm-hmm. You finish this project and everybody in his family was willing, like his parents were willing to sell their house so that we could financially afford to continue building. Like everybody wanted to see this project succeed and I just said to him, you know what, Ben, it's done. I'm taking over and we're just going to tell the trades and we're going to tell everybody that you make more money than I do. And so it just financially makes sense for our family because I have no pride. I can't, I couldn't give a shit telling people that, you know what, we're stopping for financial reasons because we have a family to care about. So I really apologize that you've spent this time quoting and put your heart and soul into this for us. But you know what? I I can't sink my family for this, you know? And so I literally realized I gave, I think I gave Ben a week to make a decision of whether or not we were going to sell. We'd have to bring the house to lock up, which it wasn't quite there yet, but if we were going to sell or if we were going to continue and he said, well, I need you to help me make the decision. And I said, Ben, this is your baby. This is your dream. And I will support you in whichever way you decide to go. I just want you to be happy. But I've realized in this that the problem with putting all of your happiness into one thing is what happens when it implodes. Mm -hmm. Not if. We have to go into the expectation of when. Even in a marriage, you know, if you put your entire being into your significant other, it, it can be a person, it can be a thing, it can be a home, it can be a cottage, a boat, whatever. But the problem is if you don't disperse your dreams and your happiness and what literally gives you life then what happens when that thing implodes well so too do you and that's what I saw happened in Ben and so I had to take over I've never managed a project in my life let alone a construction build but fortunately we had bought brought an awesome contractor in a third-party contractor and we were able to do this under the homeowner build and he was able to help me. Uh, he was able to manage the trades and just say, no, you know, we can't continue for financial hardship reasons. Ben, I applied to BC Housing, truthfully. I wrote the letter and Ben read it and signed it and corrected a few things. But we had to apply to sell for, for reasons of financial hardship because we just couldn't make it happen. We couldn't pay my parents back. We thought this whole five-year plan that we had signed, I mean, we're done because we were looking at 850000 just to finish two levels of the home, not even the carriage house, the shop, not even the basement suite that was supposed to supplement our income. And we still would have had to leave a bathroom unfinished and walls unpainted and no landscape. So Ben was suffering, but at least he now had the time to not waste his energy going up there and having the life sucked out of him because that could be me because I could handle that. And so... Ben continued on with his work, but at this point, so now we're, again, we're in March. So this is fairly soon to when he went missing. Two months, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's when I insisted that he reach out to a counselor through my Western Employee Assistance Program. And so I made a, an amazing connection with this counselor over the phone who, yes, Ben was on the phone with me and agreed to speak to this guy. And it was less threatening because it wasn't in person. And so this counselor said, I'll be here for you, Ben. Anytime of the day or night, you text me, call me, like just amazing man. Mm. But then as things progressed and the sleep, the medication didn't work, the, the Zoplicone, which I said even on Zoplicone, which a friend who's a physician of mine said, it's, it should be enough to put an elephant out and it would give Ben two to three hours max of sleep. Mm. So when we saw a naturopath, together uh he has yeah his he was in a dire situation but the naturopath really helped as well and just put him on a super clean diet he's exercising this whole time too i mean not doing the intense exercises that we would normally do but i mean he's walking he's getting fresh air but he does need the handhold and anybody who's suffering from any mental health issue 
absolutely needs a handhold. Mm -hmm. And again, he's still pretty functional. He's not mean. He's not moody. He's like literally the epitome of appreciation for everything that I'm doing. Now I've brought his family on board. They're spelling me off. So they're up with him at night chatting. Uh, His dad came up a number of times to just be there in case I had to take Ben to the emergency room so that, you know, the kids would obviously be cared for and safe. Did you still think it was just insomnia at this point, or did you think there was other mental illness going on as well? Well, I knew anxiety was a huge factor in this as well. A huge. So, you know, one could argue, like we went to the doctor, obviously the doctor had this on the notes, but again, one could argue that maybe Ben could have been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder at that point. But again, because it was in a week in a row, and that's what the DSM says. This is a diagnostic criteria mm. that psychiatrists use. Really, I don't think you could have. I don't know. I do not think you could have diagnosed him because it wasn't consistent for a week. And like literally the day before Ben went missing. So now he's trying all these things. He's also seeing a counselor in person now, by the way, because I thought like I wanted to see him do cognitive behavioral therapy because he literally needed to shift the irrational thinking and the way his mind was thinking while we were also going to the doctor, he tried a, a Trintilex, which is an antidepressant, um, anti-anxiety med. And Ben said to me, I just want to get back to living life the way I know how, the way that I used to love. I just want to go somewhere. Can you just take me somewhere so I have something to look forward to? Mm-hmm. And so I actually invited uh, some of our closest friends, a, a couple who's like an exact replica of Ben and I, Jamie and Tyler Newman, who are divers in the military and have adventured so much with us. And then Chris George, who I was telling you about, one of Ben's best friends, his best man at our wedding, came with his girlfriend, Kasia. And we went to Mystic Beach. And I thought, it'll be perfect because it's on the ocean, but we can backpack in. We can bring the kids. The kids will be able to do most of it on their own. It's only a 45-minute hike in. And then if we need to abort, for whatever reason, it's just a, a fairly quick hike out. And then we've got the support of our friends there and there's no judgment from them and they know us. Mm-hmm. What, and so what I, level of concern were you at at this point, do you think, for, for Ben's well-being? Again, it's hard because he cycled in and out so much. Those nights that he said, I feel like I'm dying and I'd call our friend that I told you about who's a physician in Calgary and I just said, what do I do? I'm bawling my face off three Mm. in the morning. Like my husband is literally dying in front of me. Mm. What do I do? Like, should I take him to the eMERGE? And my friend said, well, truthfully, if you take him to the eMERGE, they might give him a stronger sleep med. And because he's not a a risk to himself or to others, they're just going to send him home. And at this point, I was literally praying that God would comatose him for like a month. Mm-hmm. just a month just to give him rest mm-hmm. I just like watching your loved one I've watched a loved one die of cancer in front of my eyes and I'm sorry to say but it was nothing compared to what I watched my husband go through and feeling helpless the entire way and then getting glimmers of light like yes he's getting through it we're doing well he's doing well we're getting the support that we need maybe this will work Maybe this med will work. No, that doesn't work. Let's try Trintilex. And truthfully, that sent his anxiety through the roof. And so bad, which was when he, he literally, he couldn't do an anxiety meditation. He couldn't do yoga. He couldn't pray. He couldn't, and Ben wasn't even a religious person up until this point uh, when he was totally broken. It was like, I, I give up. Like, I need something bigger than myself to get me through this. He couldn't watch the shows that had brought him joy. Literally the only thing that calmed him down on this trial of Trintilex was I ran him a bath, as he did for me, coincidentally, when we started dating and I went through a really hard Mm -hmm. time with an ex. And I played David Gray just as he did for me and I lit candles just as he did for me and I just held him. just such a shame 
And he said, do I go off this medicine? And I said, well, I can't tell you that because I don't know what your body's feeling. I, but I do know that this is extreme. Like this is worse than I've ever seen you. So I said, you need to describe to me what your body feels like right now. And he had been on this medication for literally just a week and a half. And they talked about the side effects and how it often takes four weeks, six weeks for mm-hmm. it to even click in. And you're supposed to endure the suffering mm-hmm. for f- yeah. six weeks. Are you effing kidding me? And so he just said, I feel like my arms are numb. My whole chest is on fire. It's almost like there's little daggers like poking at my chest. And I mean, Ben's a tough guy. Mm -hmm. Holy shit, is he tough. Mm -hmm. And for him to be saying this, I just thought, okay, well, this is clearly physically manifesting differently from just the straight up anxiety. And so I said, you know, I can't make the decision for you, but... If you choose to go off of it, I'll support you. And our doctor had said that this Trintolex would not only keep his IQ really sharp, but also you don't, you can come off of it really like that and not experience any repercussion really, or any side effects or adversity. So we went to Mystic Beach literally the day that he came off of it. And I would say the entire hike down, I had my husband for maybe 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. 10 minutes and the whole way is like the saddest face you've ever seen in your life and I'm thinking like this is supposed to bring him joy plus we're exercising we're outdoors with our family and it wasn't until like the stairway part that leads down to the ocean that is just grand and he and I like literally made my son go with him because my kids had started to shy away a little bit at this point because you know kids kids have a feeling about things going on but chase went with him my son or our son and he started jumping down the stairs with ben Mm -hmm. and then as the ocean just came out and the smell of that ocean air and you can see the beach and then chase jumping with him down the stairs all of a sudden it was like magic it was Mm -hmm. like ben just appeared (laughs) and his he was ignited his face lit up and we were down by the ocean and i said to him honey, you're back. And he grabbed my face, like just gently on either side. And he came really close and he just said, I love you. Thank you for taking me here. Thank you for bringing me here. And he said, I want to bulldoze the house. And I said, well, hon, that's very romantic, but we're not going to do that. We're not, I'm not going to let us do that (laughs) after everything we've been through. We're not bulldozing the house, but he, he started to hate it. It became his nightmare, his nemesis, his everything, his enemy. And so very sadly, very tragically, um, yeah, 10 minutes later, he was gone again. And with our friends there, with the kids laughing, playing, having fun, he couldn't, he said to me after, I couldn't even be present. I could not even enjoy my children. And that night um, was a night of suffering for him. And it was when he came off that medication, I have no doubt in my mind that it was a catalyst to what went on that night plus being in a place that should normally bring him joy that would have always and then seeing his family that he was always he was already feeling ashamed of I don't know and it was the first time and only time I'd ever seen him hurt himself and he started just wailing on his head and screaming into the pillow saying just swearing screaming like literally tormented Mm. and yeah it was nothing like I've ever seen before in my life and he just felt like he was going insane I can't imagine the damage he would have done if I hadn't been there and uh yeah just tormented I finally got our friends to watch the kids I told them what had been going on those were the first friends April 19th that I told because I'd made a promise to my husband that I wouldn't but I said enough is enough we need all hands on deck here And we went for a walk past the waterfall there where nobody could hear. And he just grabbed his head and he just started screaming. And he just said, get the fuck out of my head. Mm. Like like his head was in a vice. Mm. It was a horrific night, but I feel like it gave me some insight on the day that he went missing. 
And that's the episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you can find us at all the usual places. OpticalCoursePodcast.com. We're very active on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Obstacle Course Podcast. And speaking of Facebook, we have a great new growing community called the Obstacle Course Community that you can join, dialogue with Andrew and I and your fellow listeners about the previous week's episode and any obstacles you're dealing with. And we do appreciate reviews, whether it's on iTunes, Google, Facebook, whatever. It helps people find the podcast. And it's nothing to do with our fragile eagles. Well, uh, you know, we just like to hear back from great people just like yourselves. Thanks for listening, everybody. Keep pushing through those obstacles.